0: This is Carl Polichuk, and you're listening to the SMB Community Podcast, produced by and for the Small Biz Thoughts community. We are dedicated to making every IT professional a successful IT professional. Hi, this is Carl. Welcome to this episode of the SMB Community Podcast. You know, I started this podcast in July of 2012, so it's been just over seven years. And I've done a lot of audio and some video. We just posted up our 65th video edition of the SMB Community Podcast. And I have decided to stop the video mainly because the audio gets a lot of downloads, about 2,000 per episode. And obviously, people subscribe to it and they enjoy it. But the video takes about an extra hour and gets an average of about 50 views each. So, you know, people people vote with their time, you know, people vote with their money and whatever, you don't don't want the video. That's totally cool, makes my life easier. So starting with this episode, we are moving to the audio only format. For those of you who have only ever listened to us on audio, you're going to find that the introduction and the out the outgo are a little bit different. I uh, hope you don't mind. And, and you know, I'll take any feedback you have. Send me an email, carl p at smallbizthoughts.com. I hope that you will enjoy this podcast. The irony is that in this show today, I'm interviewing Jay McBain, who is arguably the handsomest man in the industry. So, Uh, It was an odd time to go away from the the visual and, and simply do something audio, but hey, it is what it is. Anyway, enjoy the show and please give me any feedback you have. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Stitcher and Apple and wherever else you get your podcasts. If we're not where you need to have us, let us know. We will go ahead and figure out how to get it listed there. Thank you and enjoy the show. Hi, this is Carl Polichuk. Welcome to another SMB Community Podcast. I am joined today by someone who reminded me just now that he was one of my first guests ever on this podcast, Mr. Jay McBain from Forrester. Welcome, sir. Thank you, Carl. Really glad to be back. So, Jay is the principal analyst for Channels, Partnership, and Alliances at Forrester. What the hell is that? <laughs> Uh, I
1: count across 27 industries and, you know, 206 countries, about 10,000 companies that run a serious channel. And this could be, you know, auto dealers, pharmaceutical. This goes into all industries. In the technology world, uh, probably spend 80% of my time. But um, yeah, it's uh, anyone that's looking to sell indirectly, which by the way, 75% of all
0: world GDP flows indirectly. So it's a big, big market. Right, very cool. So people know you, you say the 80% tech, so but 20% people know you in these other industries as well?
1: Yeah, so I'll get up and keynote in front of office chair manufacturers and I'll do something in front of HVAC and plumbers. I'll move around and do pharmaceutical reps, banking, insurance. And uh, once you take away the nomenclature, the lexicon, the taxonomy of what they call their channels, the problems are all the same. You know, how do you build, you know, a go-to-market strategy? How do you find partners, recruit them, onboard them, train them, certify them, incent them, motivate them, mindshare loyalty? How do you co-sell? How do you co-market? How do you manage all of it? How do you measure it? How do you report on all of it? How do you do that without getting fired every two point one years, which is the average? And you know, once you're past kind of who you're in front of, all the problems are the same. So it's not as difficult as it sounds.
0: So uh, one of the things I remember about you because you've been with a couple different companies, but I remember at one point you and I having a conversation where you were talking about who were the movers and shakers among the vendors and who are the movers and shakers, you know, inside the channel and who are the movers and shakers among the biggest partners and people building community. And you had sort of created this taxonomy, right? It was sort of like this large, uh, you know, almost this view of all the animals in the forest, right? Yeah. So Ooh, I, uh,
1: you know, <laughs> you won't know this, but back in the day, and this was 10 years ago, uh, I moved uh, from Canada to the U S and I knew no one. I was a channel manager, you know, I ran the channel up in Canada for IBM. And um, when I moved to the US, I didn't know anyone. So I, I did this thing, which, you know, I ended up being the top 100 most visible channel people. And I published the first list, you know, 10 years ago. And I just did it again, you know, a year or so back. Right. And, you know, I'm very quantitative in terms of what I do. So moving to the US, I had a little bit of time. So I figured out that there's 54 channel magazines around the world, around the 200 countries. Then I figured out there's 150 trade shows around the world, you know, one every two days. Right. I figured out there's about a dozen associations, there's peer groups, there's, you know, there's over about 80 LinkedIn groups, there's 30 Facebook groups. So I could list off the channel consultants and I spent a lot of time, you talk about the animals in the zoo or the animals in the forest. I spent a lot of time looking at the communities that attract the 600,000 or so technology services companies, what they read, where they go, and who they follow. And then I took a second step and said, what if I quantified it? And Carl was on the list back then and he's still <laughs> on the list. But I said, I, I went across the 150 shows and it's all digital. They're all online. And I downloaded the list of speakers. And depending on the show that you were doing, if you keynoted channel partners in front of 6,500 people, I give you eight points. If you did an ASCII roadshow in front of 100, I give you two points. Both very important, you know, different scale of visibility. If you were on the front cover of CRN Magazine, one of the biggest, you know, I gave you eight points. If you were on, you know, inside the back page of SMB Nation Magazine, you know, I gave you three points. So I kind of went through and made up a little bit of a, um, a, a quantified way of judging visibility. And I looked across the 150 shows. I looked at the board of directors and the advisors. And I looked at all the thought leaders, I looked through every magazine, you know, who they're talking about, who they're putting on the cover and what the buzz is about. And once I counted up, and it's about 5,000 people that I follow. Wow. When I counted it all up and said, here's Carl and here's his like 37 check marks, <laughs> and here's how many points he earned for each one. Carl showed up out of the 5,000 people, you know, well into the top 100, actually the top 25 at the time. And it told me when I moved to the U.S. is I got to go meet this Carl guy. And you were sitting on the floor and I don't even, I think it might've been an Autotask show. And you were sitting on the floor. I think you were very early in the podcast. And I came up to you and said, you know, listen, you are globally out of the millions of people in this industry And the 5,000 people that are really driving, you know, change, you, you know, you're number, you know, 16. How did you get there, Carl? (laughs) I think was my first interaction with you.
0: (laughs) Wow. Did I say anything interesting? Uh, Well, you did. And it was,
1: uh, it was interesting. But, you know, I I learned the super connector. You, you know, you didn't know that there was 150 shows, but if you started rhyming them off, you would have probably got close to the number. Right. You didn't know that there was 54 magazines, but if you started rhyming them off in your head, you would know most of them. Most of them have mentioned you or you know used a quote from you or you know looked at you as 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 influencer. So this community, which most people don't measure, but you know some somewhere it's in your gut or somewhere it's a uh, you know in your in your brain that you, you know you know how to drive visibility in front of the really big audience that you have.
0: Well, now that my head is so big, I can't get out of the room. <laughs>
1: His so head is bigger than his, ta- his head
0: is bigger than his new tattoo <laughs> so uh, what's interesting for me is that you truly are so quantitative and for people who don't know you or haven't been exposed to the way that you have analyzed this industry, I mean you were just trying to figure out you know who are these people and what do they do and get your arms around it, but it is literally like the perfect background for getting hired by Forrester right um, Why don't you give us 30 seconds on who is Forrester and, you know, because there are people, believe it or not, who have never heard of it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, when I looked at uh, being an analyst, uh, when I worked at IBM and when I worked at companies like Lenovo, we would always have contracts with these analyst firms like uh, Gartner Group and Forrester and Serious Decisions and IDC and IDG. And, you know, we would look at them for different reasons. When I was selling laptops, you know, I would look at IDC would tell me how many laptops I sold, you know, in comparison to my competitors and, you know, month by month, day by day, I was kind of, you know, trying to get higher on the IDC numbers. Um, When, you know, Gartner was a, you know, a company that would come in and be at the 50,000 foot level and we'd have a great conversation about strategy, channel and stuff like that. And, you know, it was kind of made me feel good and I'd walk away and I'd look down and I didn't take any notes. (laughs) because it's just a wonderful conversation you know it's kind of the philosophy behind the channel and then you know my meetings with Forrester and and Forrester acquired Serious Decisions earlier this year but Serious Decisions is a very um, on the ground roll up your sleeves let's get in front of a whiteboard let's build your channel program let's get you 10 percent growth it was always a great company for you know people that were experts in execution and then Forrester was this visionary company that says Jay You know, this iPad 10 years ago just came out. This is what we think is going to happen to the marketplace. You know, we think, you know, the PC market's going to do this and it's going to flatten off a little bit and the world's going to go internet of things and cloud and here's all the converging trends and your channel program is going to need to evolve in these places. And I was always wonderful because, you know, when I'd leave a Forrester meeting after an hour, I had like seven pages of single space notes. And what I try to do with clients now is exactly that is, you know, the conversation we just had is, you know, I need to take my SD-WAN company to the next level. And as well, you need to, you know, if you want to go after this and this and this market, you need to know Carl. You also need to know SMB TN, You also need to know CompTIA. You need to know, you know, here's the world that you're in. Here's where you want to go. And here's the people you need to meet and the places you need to go and the influence you need to drive in the market at a very tactical level. And what's, that's not philosophy. It's not, you know, high level 50,000. I, I, I never liked consultants for that reason, because they're very expensive. And a lot of times, you know, you leave the, the engagement with really the place you started and you still don't know what to do or, you know, right. you don't have next actions. And at Forrester, you know, I get that ability to go call to call or customer to customer, you know, right from, you know, flying to meet Microsoft to working with a startup that's just, you know, starting up their first channel.
0: And just back to back, it's it's um, pretty exciting stuff. So um, we'll we'll get to the uh, the seventy percent uh, number that we talked about before. But first, I, I want to ask a bit about the channel piece of it because it seems to me I, I was actually surprised for you to say that you know such a high level such a high percentage is sold through the channel um, when. It seems like disintermediation is the, the word of the decade, right? That we have been, you know, having one by one, what, who, people who we thought were our partners uh, are selling direct and cutting us out of the middle. Uh, it, is that just a trend that, you know, it, it's, it's our turn and so it seems much more visible to us than it really is? Yeah. So,
1: you know, today's 75% of the world goes indirectly. You bought your last car from a dealer. You bought your last TV from a retailer. You bought your last jar of peanut butter from a grocer. I mean, you know, you got to think in your personal life or professional life, what you actually buy direct. And unless you bought a computer from Dell or, a, you know, insurance from Geico, I mean, there's not very many examples of what you actually buy direct from manufacturer today. That's the world we live in. The fact is, is we study the buyer, uh, the future B2B or B2C buyer, And it's going the other direction. So first of all, you know, the new buyer uh, in companies buying technology, 65% of all technology dollars and decisions are now made by non-technical people. The head of marketing spends more on technology now than the head of technology. The sales leader, the operations leader, the finance leader, they're all going through their digital transformations. So 65% of all dollars are spent in non-traditional places. And so that's one. So we start studying these new buyers and they look like consumers. You know, they spend 68, like when you bought a car, they spend 68% of their time doing research and figuring out and packaging and, you know, going to peer networks and doing all the stuff they do until they talk to a salesperson. That's the new buyer. 73% of those new buyers don't
0: want to buy from a channel today. And if you go and do- Is is that because they perceive- that, oh, there's a markup. And if I got rid of the middle guy, I'd get rid of the markup.
1: I think, well, the cloud has really driven that because you don't buy a product anymore. Like if you go and buy, if you're a salesperson, you buy Salesforce, or if you're a marketing person, you buy Marketo. There's a Martech stack that has 7,000 logos on it. You don't buy Marketo. Today you buy on average seven things. So I'm not only going to buy Marketo, but I need to integrate that and I'm going to need some AI and I'm going to need some BI and I'm going to need some security and compliance and business continuity. And I build a stack. I build a project. And the idea is, am I going to get Larry in the white van to go track down these seven companies, sign up as a reseller, bring it all down to a single bill? It doesn't matter anymore because I don't have to go through procurement. I don't have to do an RFP because I'm going to put all this on my credit card. It would be better for me as a buyer if I could just go to Marketo.com, which is now Adobe, go to their marketplace, buy all seven things there, because that's the low value part of the transaction. And we talk about this end of resale. What I really want Larry to do is to come install, implement, integrate, secure, make compliant, business continuity. I wanna do all that, which on average is $4 for every dollar I spend with Marketo is spent with Larry and Larry's friends to go do the longer-term management and monitoring and, 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 and other pieces. And to Larry, you know, Marketo is basically saying, you know, why would you spend a lot of time and effort on a 20% margin piece when those other pieces the customer is spending, which is 4X, they're going to spend 40 to 75% margins on the other stuff. So it got to the point where even earlier this year, a couple months ago, Salesforce shut down their resale program. And then at the same time, they said, we need 250,000 new partners to double our company in the next four years. But none of those partners, 0% of them are going to resell Salesforce. Right.
0: This is the new world. Yeah, so it's interesting because, with- you know, that sort of touches on a thing that uh, on the other, one of the other podcasts I do, the Killing It podcast, you know, we talk about, you know, should people feel insulted that Microsoft is cutting me out of the equation? And I'm like, no, Microsoft is doing what they need to do. You need to go do what you need to do to to be successful. And, you know, not take it so personally that the world is evolving, you know, that the the economy is evolving.
1: Yeah, and there's a demographic shift here. You know, when you look at millennials, it's not 73% want to buy direct, it's 80. So in in generation Z behind that, that's just getting their first job right now, you know, it's going to be 90. So the point of the matter is what Microsoft is trying to say is, you know, you're selling this this product and, you know, we normally would have paid you, a you know, whatever discount, but 73% of our buyers today would actually buy, like to buy on our marketplace or buy Microsoft on somebody else's marketplace, Amazon for business or Alibaba or, or buy Microsoft from a Salesforce marketplace. It doesn't matter. The fact of the matter is for every dollar that does go in, you know, there's $4.14 open for you. And here's where you should be focusing your efforts. And it's very sticky business and it's very high margin business. And, you know, after doing this type of business, you would never think about a 10 or 20% margin type
0: of, you know, resale business. Right. So, um, speaking of demographics. So, one of the things I've noticed is, you know, we have this aging demographic in the, you know, when you and I first started. Yeah. <laughs> right? A lot of those people are now either retired or retiring. and there's kind of this gap, or at least I perceive a gap followed by a lot of young people finally coming into this business. We had this dead spot for many years. and so now we kind of have this dichotomy it seems, where you get older people who uh, they might do one more round of technology and then they're gone. And you know and they you know, I have conversations with people who say, I'm just going to do this one more thing. I got like three more years and then I'm out. I'm, you know, I'm going to retire or sell my business or whatever. Um, So is that a piece of the statistic that you talk about where 70% of MSPs want to get out of the business? Yeah. So being a
1: numbers guy, every time there's a number thrown out, I think it was Arlen Sorensen at IT Nation last year that threw out that number. I I get, you know, fascinated by numbers um, because it's hard to come by in our industry as people that actually you know, survey and track and do real research. Right. Um, So, you know, it started for me when um, uh, it was Todd Thibodeau at a CompTIA a number of years back, maybe three or four years back, mentioned a retiree rate. And they were predicting at CompTIA that there was going to be 40% of our current channel, which is 162,000 partners in North America or 600,000 globally, are looking to retire in the next, at the time, it was like seven or eight years. Right now, it's the next five years so that's 40%. So I look backwards and it makes sense because if you started your business which most people do and you you know you could have been a teenager, you could have been just out of college or whatever age you're probably in your late teens or early 20s. If you started with IBM in 81 or 82 or if you started with Compaq in the later 80s or Microsoft in the early 90s, you know you're kind of getting to that age and when we looked at the broader channel uh, that we did research on, the average age of the owner principal was 58. And that's because they've run their business now for, you know, 30 some odd years. Right. So you're at this point where 40% of the companies are aging out from an owner principle. What we assumed for the last 10 years is there's going to be a flood of millennials and other generations, you know, coming in to take over either their parents' business or to come and reimagine, you know, born in the cloud, reimagine the MSP or the VAR business and, and, and do that. And there was a glut you 're absolutely right is that they weren't coming, and so at Forrester we started doing some quick research and saying there's a whole generation here and we're talking a million people where are they <laughs> and guess what I stopped going to some channel events for a few years and I started going to Salesforce which has you know one hundred and eighty thousand people I started going to marketo and workday and ServiceNow and you know, started going to some of these um, industry SaaS players, like there's 175,000 SaaS players. I started, you know, keynoting AWS and Google. And I looked at the Azure part of Microsoft and the Dynamics part of Microsoft, instead of the traditional Office 365 side. And I, I started going to these industry plays and other geographies. And There was floods, like the 180,000 people at Dreamforce. It's the biggest trade show on earth um, for technology, uh, software. And you know, they were 99% millennial, the amount of skinny jeans and horn-rimmed glasses walking around San Francisco every year. And, you know, I'd stop them and say, you know, you're a partner of Salesforce and they don't know what the word partner means. Right. They don't go to Salesforce and look for the partner portal and tab. But then I say, you know, in plain English, what's your gig? You know, you're an Uber driver for Salesforce. What's your gig? Well, I cover you know, mid-sized clinics in upstate New York and I do integration for marketing leaders and trying to drive new patients in the door in a HIPAA compliant way. Cool. And that's at 75% margin and there's a six month demand for my services. <laughs> so I, I can't fulfill, like I can't hire and certify people quick enough for this, you know, for the little niche that I do. I'm like, this is really cool. And there was a glut there in the middle that you're talking about that, you know, people flooded into, I talked about 250,000 new partners, you know, going into Salesforce. Microsoft is bringing on 7,500 partners a month right now. Man. 80% of those partners are non-transacting. They don't care that Microsoft shut down some resale and some other opportunities because they just don't do that. They're tracking the $4 that Microsoft creates with every dollar they sell and how to go do all that at 75% margin. And then- Some of the smart technology people are like, this is not, um, you know, rocket science. This is, I need to integrate this stuff with back-end systems. I need to secure it. I need to make it compliant. It's the stuff we do every day. It's just done in a different format at triple the margin that we would do a managed services contract at.
0: So it's interesting because, you know, part of my whole gig, my community, the things that I do, I'm trying to find all those people and bring them into the fold. You know what I mean? Uh, And I go to events. I'm shocked how many events I've been to this year where I meet people who have never heard of the word channel. They literally, that word means nothing to them. Uh, They don't have a relationship with the distributor. They've never heard of Datto or ConnectWise. (laughs) You know, uh, it's like they literally are in a different universe, but they've been in business for 15 years. They're super successful they got you know whatever three million dollars worth of sales and you're like how did you do this without you know knowing about any of this great infrastructure that's been in place for 30 years yeah it's amazing
1: you've got these technology skills you've got these business practices wrapped around things like security and stuff. how did you do that by ignoring the 31 communities that's the real number uh, in you know North America like how did you possibly get trained on security And it's fascinating. And, you know, that's the stuff that I'm researching now and looking at, like, I've got the map of, you know, magazines and shows that I talked about, but there's different maps when you ask the question to those 180,000 people. By the way, 10 million people were dialed in. San Francisco can only hold 180,000 people because that's how many rooms they have in hotels. (laughs) If they had this event somewhere else, I mean, they would have probably, you know, a million. It'd be like a
0: CES type of event. So, um, so... 40% 40% uh, we got taken care of. So what's the rest of the 70?
1: Yeah, so that was interesting to me. It's like, what, what do you mean 70% of MSPs want out? And I have to take away the number that says we're, all of our businesses are for sale if somebody writes a big enough check. So let's take off that as a, you know, right. first, first and foremost. Um, that wasn't the question that was asked though. Uh, you know, there's a number of things and I've tried to dig in, you know, in terms of research in the last year to answer the question, so forty percent are retiring. Okay, there's another thirty percent delta. Um, if I look at the work that um, service leadership and true methods and you know HTG peer groups, like they're collecting the financial data. Some of them, and uh, you know Paul Dipple, I think you've had on the show, and and Gary Pika, and 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 some of these leaders, um, you know, they're doing some really impressive work in terms of looking at the margins of well-run MSPs versus, you know, the different quart- uh, quantiles, uh, quartiles of MSPs, you know, some of them now, the bottom quartile, losing money, you know, a lot of MSPs struggling to break even. Now, this wasn't the case five years ago. You know, we've had a lot of consolidation, price compression, you know, we've had the MA, you know, you've had uh, channel e to e you know, created just to follow this, this, right. uh, this stuff that's <laughs> happening. Um, So there's a lot of technology entrepreneurs that are looking at some of these new businesses that you mentioned, this $3 million business, at 75% margins, the guy's driving a Bentley. Um, They're looking at it and going, why am I competing in a managed services space? And, you know, my average contract right now might be 17 to 20% margin, which is tough to pay the mortgage and tough to, you know, grow um, the way I want to. When, you know, some people are over at You know AWS, which now has one hundred and twenty thousand partners. You know they've tripled. uh, I think they've doubled the size of their channel every year for three years, and now they're up to that size. So, you know, the partners over at Google making seventy five percent margins in that space. The partners over at you know Azure making that kind of money. Is there something else I can be doing with my technology skills and my entrepreneurship to make more money?
0: Right. It's it's quite a changing environment. So what's Next, what's, what's the next big thing? 2020 is right around the corner. What, what do we get to look forward to? Well, there's a future, you know, there's a bunch of mega trends.
1: I, you know, I talked about the new buyer. I talked about um, new channels. One of the things that's going to replace, like this idea of transacting and non-transacting partners. I get to have this conversation at least 10 times a day with vendors to say that, you know, here's what your channel and the pyramid scheme, the gold, silver, bronze scheme you've had for 37 years has looked like. In a world that some of these Uber drivers, like this gig economy, um, you know they're going to be managed much different. When there's not a transaction, you don't anchor the rest, of the, trans- the rest of the program on that transaction. So they look more like Kim Kardashian than they do a channel partner. So now you need to measure them by affiliate revenue, nice. advocacy. You've got to measure them by their influence. You know You're now in a true marketing gig trying to figure out who's influencing your buyer in that first 68% of the journey towards vendor selection in a backwards way. And it's a completely different parallel type of program for partners.
0: How do you sell? I mean, I think about, okay, I'm going to hire a salesperson. What the
1: hell? (laughs) Well, if you hire a salesperson, they're not going to get talked to for the first 68%. So, you know, maybe I should hire a community manager, you know, what makes Datto a unicorn? I think Rob Ray makes, you know, Datto a unicorn by traveling 312 days a year. Oh my God. Yeah. What makes, but no, what makes in this future of these top visible people that I follow that's in the channel. But when you get into the customer world, who is the customer when they, you know, type in their problem, you know, I'm a mid sized clinic trying to bring patients in the door, blah, 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 blah. Who's on the front two pages of Google? What webinars do they watch? What podcasts do they listen to? What does their world look like? What is their map? And how am I influencing the influencer is the future of the channel. And the channel is going to have millions and millions and millions of players. Everybody's becoming a tech company, tech services company. And, you know, the average customer is going to use at least five of them. So there's going to be no single throat to choke. There's going to be no, you know, general contractor in this world. And how long do you think that transition will take? I think three to five years. All right. um, but we're, you know, like we saw ten years ago when, you know, PCs plateaued. Now we're seeing resale plateau. managed services is still growing at, you know, 9.6% a year, but it's the first time in 20 years it's dropped below double digits. And you're going to start to see that that 21% of customers globally that want to outsource pieces or all of its IT starts to plateau. It's not going to grow to 30, 50, 70, 90. It's going to, you know, end up at somewhere in the low 20s.
0: So that's true for managed services. But when I think about, hey, I just need one gig installing LED light bulbs in a downtown hotel. And my growth is going to be spectacular, right? So maybe managed services might not grow, but there's lots of other opportunities that seem to be exploding
1: Yeah. So now, you know, you're entering, let's say the pro AV space and you're going to compete with 5,000 companies globally that do professional audio video that install LED lights and, and they, you know, service, you know, boardrooms and churches and sporting events. And there's 29 product categories, which is a true number in pro AV. There's 925 vendors. There's associations, there's magazines, there's seven magazines, there's about 30 trade shows. So that's the world you're entering and that's the competitive space. But guess what? Their big problem is they're consolidating too. Right. LED lights is a commodity. You know, you can buy them on Amazon for pennies. The installation is not one of these 75% margin type of gigs. It's, I'm going to pay you a hundred bucks an hour, and I'm only going to pay you for six hours to go do it. So right. this is the world now, like, you got to be careful. But I want to manage those LED lights, and I want to manage the broader ecosystem, and I want to do some Internet of Things, and I want to make you into a smart office, and... Here's what I build on top of it. And now I'm into the 75% margin.
0: Yeah, I just saw a presentation where a guy was using Aubic to, you know, map out this network. And then he said, and then we found the LED lights and then it's like a million dots on the screen. It was, it was pretty impressive. So sadly, we're out of time, but I'm going to go ahead and make sure that in the show notes, we have a link to your blog and folks can, can tune into you. And uh, where can we find you next? Where, where are you off to? Oh,
1: my God. I just uh, came back from a 21-day, 15-country adventure with the family. Uh, around so I circumnavigated. the world. I had a speech in Australia, so I took the long way around the world, and we, exactly. we circumnavigated. Um, but, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm all over. I do, again, about 50 events a year. So look forward to seeing you and, and everyone else uh, on, on the travels. Very
0: good. Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate your time, as always. All right. Take care, Carl.